Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Class with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, well, Ron, we we have a Free Rider Friday. Yeah, awesome. I've been looking forward to this. I know we got lots to talk about. The big news, Ron. Big news. Our book yeah, is out. Lay it on me, Ed. Lay it on me. Our book is out. The Soul of Enterprise: yes. Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy hit Amazon.com earlier today. There's, it's so it's so new, Ron. The picture is not yet up, but you can still download it and buy it for ready, ready for the price, folks. Five dollars. That's it. Yeah. Five bucks. No, no charm pricing, folks. No four ninety nine. No, no four ninety nine crap. It's, We're not going to. You know, this audience is too smart for that, Ed. They'd figure exactly. that, you know. <clears throat> exactly. Five bucks, and we're ready to go. Uh, and just so we'll give a, a little thoughts on this, and uh, you know, at the we we got to be careful, Ron. We don't want to jump the shark today, yeah, right? I agree. Because <laughs> so we'll we'll talk a little bit about the book because we're very excited about it. Uh, by the way, the, the really cool part, very happy that it came out officially on my dad's birthday. So it's cool. That's very, great. very happy about that. But um, because the, you it's know, your we, first book, right, Ed? It is my first book, Ron. You're, That's you know, the old hat at books. What's <laughs> is this number seven now? Number seven, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. So yeah, no, it's number number one for me. I'm happy to do it with you. Obviously, could not literally have done it without you because <laughs> the book is called Dialogues, uh, <laughs> not monologues. But. Uh, w- what we've done is taken transcriptions of our show, some of our shows, the, the early in in our first season, and I think one from from the second season, which we count as after October first, and uh, had them transcribed. And then you had the laborious process. You got definitely got the short end of this, of making the stuff that we say and turning that into something that you can read. How, how was that for you? It, it was, that was a harder process than I anticipated. And I thought, oh, it's going to be no problem because the transcription service you picked did such a great job transcribing the audio files. But then when you really stop and think about it, we don't talk. What sounds pleasing to the ear is not pleasing to the eye for a reader. So we really had to go back and really rework and edit out almost practically I'm telling I'm telling you every sentence in the transcription <laughs> to make it sure that make sure that it flowed grammatically and it was a nice reading experience but once we got beyond that folks we also put some supplemental material in every in every single chapter and we also included links Ed you did a great job putting all the links into the various sites and and very interesting links too not just to like the wikipedia definition but maybe a more in-depth or a ted talk or a video or something like that so it, it's really a, a complete uh, experience to read this book in a digital format right and that was that was our plan from the very beginning we really have no 
plans for this to become a printed book, although you know both of us will probably print a PDF copy out to put on our coffee table, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Sign each other's book next time we see each other. Um, <laughs> but but it, it really was meant for it to be a, a digital experience. So the, the links and the supplemental material, and as Ron said, we didn't repeat, we, we didn't just send you to Wikipedia. You can do that on your own from within Kindle. Um, there are a couple wi- links to Wikipedia, but not many. It's, they're, they're really intended to be exploring a topic in in more depth. And uh, so, and there's, there's and just because I have a wacky sense of humor, as most of you have figured out, there are a couple of Easter eggs in there to take you to yes, related stuff, but kind of fun. So yeah, I'll, I'll happy just hunting. Men- <laughs> I'll just mention one, which is the Rube Goldberg, uh, which is just incredible. I mean, I was, I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, so there, there's yeah. a hint, folks, a clue for the Easter egg hunt. That is just hysterical. Yeah, no, they're they're fun to look at, and of course, we do a link back to our shows at the beginning of each chapter as well. So if somebody wants to listen to it, they, they can. But uh, what I did find out, Ron, it was it's sort of like best laid plans. You can't, you can't listen and read along because as soon as you close the listening portion and <laughs> to go back to the book, it shuts down the feed. So, right. Right. Um, but you know, Hey, th- but they can listen and maybe just get it started. Listen to that on, on a headset and then, then begin the reading experience once, once they're done, if there's things that they want to revisit. So Right. And this will be the last thing I say because I, I don't want to beat this dead horse. But one thing we did do, folks, is we grouped six shows that we thought had a common theme. So we start out by with our intellectual capital show, The Economy in Mind, basically, where we describe the three types of intellectual capital. And we, we grouped that with the After Action Review show. And then, of course, we did the Declaring Our Independence from Taylorism, which is the whole efficiency for his effectiveness and then we did a section on the two laws of, of pricing. Um, and then the last chapter is basically the morality of market. So it's basically our ethics show. So we tried to group the shows uh, around a common theme. And we also included an opening and an epilogue. So I think there's some really good content in here that goes just beyond listening to the show. Yeah, and we got some feedback from some of the people who've who've uh, t- take a, took a look at the first chapter that we had put out just as a as a test. Who said they really liked having the show in in readable format so that they could look at stuff um, and, and highlight it and make notes, which uh, is is some obviously difficult on on the radio. So pretty pleased with right. that. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it is Free Rider Friday, so we want to first give out the, the phone number for those of you who might want to call in. We will take calls today if you so desire, and that number is 866-472-5790. Again, 866-472-5790, so please feel free to call in, and our engineer, Matt, will will connect you and hook us up. You, of course, as always – can follow along with the show at hashtag AskTSOE. If you've got questions or thoughts on that, please go ahead, and we do monitor that during the broadcast. So we want to we hear from you. But um, it is Free Rider Friday, so Ron, time to throw one out here, and, and I have a feeling we're going to spend a little bit of time on, on this first subject that I want to toss at you. 
Okay, um, well then I'm I'm gonna uh, well well I'll start I'll go out with uh, uh, again Mr. Bill Gates. It's how I started last month's Free Rider oh, okay. Friday, okay. but I just wanted to give an update on this. It's kind of like uh, Paul Harvey, you know, the rest of the story uh-huh. in the in the world in 2015, which is the Economist's annual you know uh, publication where they they kind of do predictions and kind of look out into the future of what this year is going to bring for us. Uh, Bill Gates has a column in that called Great Expectations where he's talking about children in poor countries are 10 to 25 times more likely to die just because of where they were born. He says these deaths are preventable. Disease and extreme poverty are not inevitable in the past 25 years. Children who die has dropped by half, which is wonderful. Extreme poor people, he says, has been going down at roughly the same rate. And he says we know precisely why children are surviving more vaccines for more diseases bed nets treated with insecticide for malaria simple oral rehydration all that he says but we also know why people are escaping poverty and this is what i want to challenge did you know ed that people escape poverty because more productive agriculture better access to financial services and the speed of functioning health systems that prevent expensive medical emergencies I'm sorry, but where are free markets in that? Yep. What? what well, <laughs> if, if if only what caused all of those? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, he misses the boat, and this is just to point out, folks, that you know, just because you're incredibly wealthy doesn't really necessarily mean you understand how a free market works or how economics work. I'm I'm often surprised at the utterings of very rich people, uh, and I'd throw Donald Trump in there and, and, you know, some others, Warren Buffett, who espouse on economic issues, and it seems like they don't know what the heck they're talking about. So just wanted to throw that in the in the bag. Yeah, and, and, and certainly not the way that, that we talk about it. In fact, I think that was one of the big challenges with our, our friend uh, Mitt Romney last time as a, from, from a presidential standpoint. I mean, the man was, was challenged, has made billions of dollars, right, for him, himself. And when challenged on that, he could not articulate a defense of the free market as, as to say why he was in any way deserving of the wealth that – he had, and it was astounding to me because what if you can't defend that? How? Why do you think that anyone should vote for you? Yeah, exactly. It was a failure on 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 two counts. I think Ed with Mitt Romney is he he failed to explain how you know he came about to this great wealth serving other people. That money's actually kind of like little certificates of performance, right? Mm-hmm. They're rep- they represent that you've done something and please somebody else, you know, that whole double thank you moment when we buy something. But he also failed on the second level, just like what you said, on on giving the moral justification for it. And this is why I think we need to turn to people like Father Sirico, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, George Gilder, Michael Novak. These guys are making the moral case for for wealth creation. And even to some extent, I'll say it, inequality and I think that's really, really necessary, and and we need both. Well, and that, you know, inequality. Whenever I hear this, begs the question of what inequality in, in what category? Opportunity, outcome, right? Leisure time. <laughs> what 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 inequality are you exactly looking for? 
right? I, I know, Ed, you sent me uh, Deirdre McCloskey's review of Piketty's book, which, by the way, she mentioned on our show that she was gonna, she was yes. gonna write a review and, and folks, it's out and maybe we'll, we'll get it up on the show notes, but, uh, and I'm not done with it yet. And I'm only like six or seven pages into it, but I have a feeling it's gonna be well worth the, the read. It's like 47 pages or something, but, uh, it might be worth bringing her back on just to talk about that. Yeah, totally agree. In fact, I, I'm about the same. In and and you know, she's she's still at, at the at the point where she's kind of complimenting him. Yes, she's being in, very nice a, as she well, raises the yeah, hammer. Yeah, yeah, in a in a very astute and sly way, scholarly uh, just, too. Yeah, scholarly. Just 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 setting it up. And look, hey, we have to we have to be careful here because one of the things that she brings out that what I, according to Amazon, the furthest most people get in the book is page twenty six, yeah, <laughs> which is somewhere in the middle of the introduction. <laughs> yep, yep. In terms of what people are highlighting, nobody's highlighting like past that. No, certainly nobody's highlighting the last few pages, which is a really good indication that they're not reading it. You know, they're buying it. And and uh, I actually think that, you know, the most serious readers would probably have it on the Kindle. They would be the ones most likely to finish it, not the people that buy it in hardcover. I think those people are just kind of putting it on their coffee table next to Das Cop at all as a way to, you know, brag to their friends. But... <clears throat> Well, we'll have to get back on you because now, now with our book out, and we'll we'll know exactly how far everyone reads. Uh, well, not specifically. You just you you don't know uh, who the is individual. reading how far, right? But, but, but we will know, see highlights. So you, you do see the highlights, and that it is interesting from being an author's perspective to see what passages people highlight in your book. I'm always amazed what you know because it really shows you what what lines or thoughts ideas are resonating with people. And I think that's going to be really interesting to, to see what people highlight in this book. Yep. No, I agree. Well, we're going to take our first break here and we, but we do want you to get in touch with us, which is hashtag ask TSOE. If you've got questions for the show, we promise after the break, we won't talk about the book anymore. Well, maybe a little. And, uh, but we, you can also email us at TSOE at Verisage.com and, of course, show notes and previews at Verisage.com slash TSOE. But first, we're going to hear from our sponsors, including a little plug for the book, but then, of course, our, our, our sponsor, Leading Results. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. 
Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're here on a Free Rider Friday. Those of you, if you do want to call in, the number again is 866-472-5790. Hashtag is AskTSOE. If you want to communicate with us during the show, we do monitor that. Although we do know that most of you listen after the fact on Archive or iTunes, and we certainly appreciate that and thank you for being loyal listeners. Hey, we're going to start asking you to to do some stuff. This is it, 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 the joke is it's a free ride today, but we, this this show can no longer be a free ride. We really uh, want to begin to grow this show. We think now that the book is out, we've got some pretty good things in place. So, uh, those of you who are fans, we really would appreciate if you would go rate us on iTunes or. Go to Amazon and find The Soul of Enterprise and write a quick review of the book. doesn't have to be long, but uh, that would really be helpful for us. And we do really love to hear from you and respond to any questions and thoughts that you might have. Yeah, but Ron, yeah actually, excellent. And I agree. I, there are some reviews up there on iTunes, and we really appreciate that, folks. So that would be wonderful. And we do continue to get your emails, too, and, and from around the world. And, and uh, I, in fact, I've got a couple in my stack of stuff today that we might get to. So that's right. great. We really appreciate that. Cool. Well, the first thing we got, I've got to throw out there because we I, we even hinted at this. I think the last time we did a Free Rider Friday that this was going to be a topic that we should maybe maybe even still perhaps dedicate an entire show to, and that is net neutrality. Net neutrality, which you know the FCC in in its infinite wisdom just voted yesterday. Uh, no, nothing like applying a 1934 act to 2014 technology that says, hey, we're moving up into the modern times. Let's apply an 80-year-old law to the technology of today. Got to love that. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, this goes back to the fairies, Ed, this idea, the common carriage, that there are so there are some businesses that are just so essential that they must be regulated, like universal service for the postal service or the old telephone bell, you know, monopoly. And I'm just – one point I'd like to make that to underscore – our discussion, however we discuss this and wherever we go, nobody knows what's in these regs yet. They haven't been made public. So this is all speculation. We don't really know. I mean, there's a few people, I guess, in the think tanks that are starting to put out some stuff. Um, but we don't really know how encompassing these things are yet, these regs. And, and I think we need to keep that in mind. Either way, and, and, and I just want one point on that in the reading that I do, and, and to be fair, because I think that there's been a, a lot of FUD in addition to some really well-expressed concerns, but the, 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 the FUD is, is that you know, they're, they're, they're keeping these under wraps. Well, they, that's, that's it may not be the best way, but that is how the FCC operates. Right? It is. They, 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 they don't put out the regs before they vote on them, uh, never have. Uh, now, you could make the argument that perhaps they should, but, but it wasn't a special to this particular 
ruling that they did to right. to keep them keep them under wraps. But no, that's true. I, I, and yeah. that was my point was more we just don't know what's in them yet. So a lot of this discussion around this is is kind of speculation at this point. Well, yes, of of course. And but what I find fascinating about this, and as a, as a libertarian, is this is severely divided. The a lot of the libertarians. I mean, I I'm out on the the Libertarian Party of Texas's page, and you know we posted something on net neutrality, and and I would say most of the comments were clearly in support of what the FCC is doing. But I, I want to back up a quick second because I think part of this stems, Ron, from just this basic idea of what is net neutrality. I <laughs> I personally think that net neutrality, and I've got a a, a blog post on this. It means whatever the sayer wants it to mean. It's morphed, <laughs> hasn't it? It's absolutely it morphed. It has morphed. The first time that I heard the term net neutrality, it's probably 10 years ago or more, it meant government non-interference in the workings of the internet. Period. End of story. That was the definition. No question. Everybody agreed that that's what it meant. And now, of course, it seems to mean not the exact opposite, but it, what, what it means is, is that carriers should not be able to throttle or prioritize packets. And that's what I think most people who are, are around technology are saying, well, it should, shouldn't, isn't every packet, shouldn't it be treated the same, same. right? And that's their argument is that no one carrier should be able to control uh, what happens uh, with, with with certain packets? And yes, in theory, these companies could make uh, make a muck out, out of it, right? And they, they could slow down the the traffic for for Netflix and make it an, a, a bad experience for Netflix users if they wanted. But they could have done that for the last twenty years, and nobody has. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these nightmare scenarios that people, you know, like Comcast, which owns. You know, NBC Universal is going to push its own content on users and simply block them from from looking at competing content, uh, or it's it's going to you know charge a, a ton of money uh, for that last mile that they control, or you know they're going to exempt put data caps on users. All of these nightmare smart scenarios I'm hearing, and the fact that these is these evil ISPs or monopolies. Um, they haven't come to fruition. I mean, there's a graph, Ed, on the FCC's own page that shows the growth in Internet connection in the United States between 2009 and 2012 from 136 million people to 261.7 million. Eighty percent of American households have uh, either a two fixed and or mobile providers at at least 10 uh, megabits per second. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and and, and the, the the speed is growing, the the choice is growing, and this is not the action of a monopoly. A monopoly wouldn't do this. A monopoly, a monopoly re- re- restricts supply. So I kind of like Thomas uh, Hazlitt, who's a great economist, by the way, and now he's at Clemson University. I believe he used to be out here at UC Davis, but he's a brilliant guy. He was the former chief economist for the FCC, I believe under the Reagan administration, but I'm not 100% sure. But here's how he defines net neutrality. He says, it's a set of rules regulating the business model of your local ISP. I mean, you know, the FCC's got these quote-unquote Title II regulations. uh, And and by reclassifying the Internet from a telecommunications – I mean, I'm sorry, from an information service, which the courts have already upheld in two decisions that the FCC lost – into a telecommunication service, apparently these Title II regulations are quite sweeping and give the FCC broad power. 
And that's what scares me about what is in these. And, and I hear it's a couple hundred pages of regulations. Yeah, and a couple things on that. For the first thing that I want to point out, and this is, I, I was looking for the last hour, Ron, for this site. I mean, this <laughs> for this particular and spice the word site uh, when they're transcribing this is it's C I T E. Um, it, it was a, it, there was a reference made in an article that I read. I don't know how many years ago. And I I looked it up, and it was true at the time, but now I can't find it. At one point, and this is in the 1990s, the FCC's website had hours of operation. <laughs> As did Social Security, Ed. <laughs> and where they, they would shut down the server at, I don't know, 5 o'clock Eastern time and turn it back on the next morning, and you couldn't get – so I'm like, wait a minute <laughs> – I, I know it's only the government could meld brick and mortar and digital together, you know, and put hours on digital. Uh, but let me let me just back up a minute, Ed, and just uh, you know, you talked about the data packets and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't this be the equivalent in the atoms world? I know we're in the you know we're in the bits world here with the internet, but in the atoms world, wouldn't that be saying if 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 you had mail neutrality or airline neutrality, that you couldn't have first class, second class, third class mail. You couldn't have priority overnight. You couldn't have first class, second, you know, first day, second day, third day, FedEx, FedEx ground. You couldn't have business class, first class coach on airlines. I mean, you couldn't have, you know, Lexus, the so-called Lexus lanes, you know, on private toll roads that people pay for to get in because, you know, they're, they're busy or whatever. I mean, the, the, we have neutrality we have these things in in these other areas and it hasn't stifled innovation or growth or investment or anything else in fact i think applying a one size fit, fits rule all is what's going to stifle innovation and growth and choice yes perhaps it could and and yes i have heard the analogy of the, the the roads and package moving and all all of this stuff and you you can make the 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 argument for for and against that Fairly logically, I've seen there's a couple of good videos, and I'll try to to, to dig them up, explaining why uh, the the packet neutrality uh, should be something that is is enforced. Um, why but, shouldn't I pay more if I'm downloading and streaming Netflix? Why shouldn't I, I? I get it, I get it, but there 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 are some arguments that say, well, you know, should you have to pay more for um, the, you know a del- the delivery truck to come down your street? Right, It'll, it w- it would get to the to the post office, but should you have to pay more for it to get down just to your street? You know, I've right? heard this with the postal service, but you know, I remember congressmen saying, "Oh, but we have to have universal access, and if you live in home or Alaska, you know, the mail needs to to be delivered there." And I'm like, "Listen, if you live in home or Alaska, you better be prepared to to pay more for certain things and delivery and being remote." Is, is one of them. I mean, I just don't understand why people can't just pay their own way and, and have choice about it. I mean, when they were making this argument, it's like, no, wait a minute. The New York Times, all the newspapers get to home or Alaska. No problem. Right on your doorstep. Right. Why can't the postal office? Well, I mean, and, it's, this is an insane argument to me. Well, well, yes. But we, the, the, other, the other thing, too, Ron, is that, that, that it's not a perfect analogy either. And, and, when I, and I'm saying either side making it. Right, because un- un- unlike the atoms world, as you say, where there is a physical nature to this, in in theory, we don't we don't run out of bits, right? We we don't run out. There, there, it's a constant flow. It's not even like it, it, it's not even like water, right? 
we, we can't run out. They're always there, right? And even how you're passing electrons and all this stuff. Here's the two things that I, that I, that I, I think might influence this long haul is by the time some of these regulations that, again, as you point out and correctly, we have still not seen specifically what they are. But by the time they get passed down and, and begun to be implemented, we're going to see that the rise of of, of wireless uh, high-speed connections has gone up so much that it could almost make this potentially moot, right? Well, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, right. government is a lagging indicator, especially government regulations. So by the time that, they issue an edict on something, it's already obsolete. I mean, you can look at the IBM uh, antitrust case for that. Right, and the Microsoft one with Internet Microsoft. Explorer, right? I mean, yep. by the time that got through, Net, Net, uh, Netscape or whatever was already out of business. Right? Yep. So, yep. Um, so, but but you know, I think these are the things that we have to keep in mind that there that that the the physical analogies that we're using are aren't always necessarily perfect, right? Because because we're talking about something that isn't physical. Now, you know, what, what is interesting, I think, is that you have some some folks on this, like Google, Google argued very very strongly in favor of this. Um, and it is at least theoretically possible that if all packets are given full neutrality and there's this huge enforcement of it, et cetera, et cetera, that you know what? You and I will not be able to do this radio show anymore, at least not the way it's constituted <laughs> because we're both talking to each other on Skype. You're in Petaluma, California. I'm in Allen, Texas, uh, and, and our, the, the folks at Voice America are, are in Scottsdale, right? right? Um, and without without this, you know, the, these packet bursts that allows the Skype technology to work, we wouldn't be able to do what we do now. Do I? Think and isn't it amazing, Ed, that we're doing what we do without any government interference? I mean, no, the, the, no the, doubt, the internet is is the last bastion of freedom, and 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 now they're going to control it, and people think this is going to make it better. Are you kidding me? Right. Well, this, but this is my last point on this because we'll, 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 we've already spent a, a whole segment on this already, Ron. Wow. I knew this was going to be a big one. Uh, but is, as we'll have to see what the regulations are. And as much as they want to enforce some of this stuff or whatever it is they want to do, it might not be technologically possible to do that. Right, so that's that, that. That's really the the key challenge. There's a lot of things that you can say. Well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Okay, but. It's not possible, <laughs> right? No, it's not actually last, physically possible. That's our last defense, then, Ed. But, uh, but folks, we, we <laughs> you're right. Ed, this is a great topic, but we do need to take a break, folks. And uh, we'd like to remind you that you can uh, catch the show, follow the show at uh, verisage.com/tsoe. We will have show notes up, and we'll post some of this uh, material that we're talking about on net neutrality. In the meantime, feel free to contact Ed or myself at tsoe at verisage.com and you can follow the show or ask a question on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE and now we want to hear again uh, a commercial from our good friend Greg Kite on our new book The The Soul of Enterprise and also a word from our sponsor Azamba We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? 
What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's Azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. Here We're here on Free Rider Friday. And again, you can contact Ed or myself at TSOE at Verisage.com or you can leave us a message on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE. And we've been talking about net neutrality, and we also mentioned at the start of the show that our new book is out. But, Ed, I'm excited to announce that uh, one of the people who contributed to that book is is uh, called into the show. So, welcome, right. Greg Kite. Now, folks, I need to set up a little bit here. Greg Kite is the G. Robert Newhart non-value-added fellow at Veritage Institute, which is the think tank that uh, Ed and I run. And he is an MBA, CPA, uh, former math, math teacher, I believe, incredibly smart guy. But his goal in life is to be a stand-up comedian, so he's awfully funny, too. And if you heard the commercial in the break, Greg Kite did the commercial for our book, uh, and he's also written the foreword to our book, which I do have to say is hysterical. But Greg, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. Hey, Ron, Ed, great to be here. I never thought the day would come when I'd be able to be a guest on an Internet uh, radio show. It's, it's really a dream come true for me. Uh, yeah, of course. So, well, we're uh, glad to have you. Glad to have you, Greg. It's, it's great to be here. So you've been talking about net neutrality today, huh? We have. Mm-hmm. We've been talking That's, about the FCC's regulations. Sounds, that sounds riveting. That sounds almost as riveting as the forward to your new book, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business in the Knowledge Economy. <laughs> hey, that forward is riveting. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you think so. I know your brother thought, thought, thought it was fantastic just because I, I, I relentlessly crucified the both of you throughout the entire thing. Uh, no, my brother thought you were way too light on me, just for the record. <laughs> he, he didn't think you went fur, farther, uh, far enough. Yeah, well, and of course, I complained that you, you, know, you, you chastised Ron like six times and me with a very light you know, two sentences. So I'm like, right. oh, man. I, I know, and I could totally relate to that. There were, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I, was, I was pretty involved with a, with a church youth group at the time. 
And, uh, and I was so, uh, I was so bummed out because I was like the only person in the entire youth group who hadn't gotten his house toilet papered. And that was kind of your response to the forward was like, please, please come and toilet paper my house, Greg Tate. And I did, I did come and toilet paper. Not with, I didn't use the, I didn't use the quilted or the two ply. I just used some extra TV that I found in a 7-Eleven bathroom, but I did toilet paper your house. <laughs> Greg, it's kind of like I guess being insulted by Don Rickles. It's it's a badge of honor. So <laughs> right, right by, by a less funny and much more obscure version of Don Rickles. Well, I have to tell you, it's it's already exploding here. So so we 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 we've had no no tweets uh, during the show, but now there's one that says thanks thanks for the great read. This is from Lowry. Thanks for the great read at at class and at Ron Baker. Looking forward to. To, forward to the book, especially the forward. Forward. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, and that's and and so who what was the name of that listener? Uh, Lowry. Lowry. Well, Lowry, the, the forward will not disappoint. I can't speak for the rest of the book, however, because <laughs> he didn't read it. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> probably the only foreword ever written where you hadn't read the book. I love it, and you admitted it. Well, I like to think of myself as an innovator. <laughs> That's a hint, Greg. By the way, when an author sends you a book, kind of that you didn't ask for, it's my new book. Make sure you respond right away, because that way you don't have to give the opinion of what you thought about it once you once you did read it. Ah, uh, gotcha. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, so Excellent. Just, Excellent. So you just say, yeah, thanks for the book. Uh, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, Greg, it's great to have you on, and, and we do really thank you for uh, writing the foreword. It is hysterically funny, and, and uh, also there's some, some really nice things about both Ron and I in there, which, which we do uh, appreciate. But, but as always, your, your humor keeps, keeps us motivated because you, you have done a great job for us at the Veris Age Institute ridiculing many of the things that Ron and I just talked about. Of course, we get pumped up and you know, have to take high blood pressure medication, um, and, and instead I think you, you, you deal with it by, by just making fun of them, which is great. Well, that that's kind of that's, that's sort of the trick of uh, you know when you're trying to uh, trying to make something funny, you got to make it funny uh, of something that that truly has some sort of uh, logical inconsistency or ha- you know you know that's either scary or stupid. Those are kind of the two <laughs> targets of the comedian. And uh, and yeah, I mean a lot of the stuff the stuff that you guys the stuff that you guys tackled, the stuff that's covered in in the book. Uh, you know the the performance appraisal, the the you know the billable hour, the uh, you know the, uh, the the theory of value, the labor theory of value, all that stuff, ridiculous. So it kind of it kind of lends itself to being uh, to being ridiculed. And and Greg, you know uh, one of the things uh, that George Orwell said that's always struck me and makes me think of you every time is you know every joke is a tiny revolution, and and that's kind of your attitude at least bringing humor into a business context. I, I realize it's different if you're doing a stand-up routine in a comedy club, but it, it, you do a lot of videos and and other and, ty- and business writing where you use humor, and and it really does create tiny little revolutions. I I think humor sometimes is far more effective than logic yeah well i think well now it is interesting except that that quote that every joke is a tiny revolution is that there is a great counterexample, and that is larry the cable guy but 
apart from that, <laughs> um, I do, I do think it has, it has, it has a lot to, a lot to say about that. I think, um, well, you know, I know some of the stuff that we've talked about in the past is just that, you know, that, that a lot of oppressive regimes, uh, outlaw the idea of, um, that, you know, they, they outlaw people making jokes about them. The, the Soviet Union being, the uh, the main example that we've talked about in the past. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I I swear that that there was something that I either watched or read or saw recently that was, that was the same kind of thing. And I wonder if it was that, uh, the movie, um, the interview, the one that, that, uh, North Korea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The North Korean one. I think it might've been in that one. Uh, it might've been at least referenced in that movie as well. Just the idea that you can't, that, that, uh, People in power who are afraid of losing their power are especially afraid of people making jokes about them because it threatens, because, because those jokes reveal the inherent BS in whatever these people, in whatever's propping up these people or these ideas. And, and when people start making fun of it, they start revealing it, start, start to shine, to shine a, a, a flashlight on the cracks and the foundation of those things. And I think they also start to give people courage to take on, uh, you know, it's kind of a speaking truth to power sort of idea, uh, where if you, you know, if you can not just speak truth to power, but you can make fun of that power at the same time, that's going to be a pretty, uh, a pretty powerful combination. Right. And, and Greg, you've done some great videos and, and I know a lot of them are up on Greg Kite, right? GregKite.com is where you can find Greg folks. Um, yes. And and you know you've done you've done some internally for for Verisage, uh, you know, like the history of the the uh, history of value pricing, great moments. I think with yeah. uh, you, great, you really great mocked me. In the history of value pricing. Yep. Those were, <laughs> those were, if if, any, if anybody wants to see some uh, some real uh, documentary footage of the uh, the history of both Ron Baker and Ed Kless, go to YouTube and and search for the uh, the great moments in value pricing history, and you will. You'll be uh, just some amazing facts will be revealed to you at that point. Absolutely, and and you know you've done a legendary one that's just has been passed literally around the world called called Bob's Barbecue, which is just hysterical taking on the billable hour. But I just want to ask you really quick about a video series that you did that I I think I kind of pushed you into doing this, but it was the whole BlackBerry. What was it, the ten or something release? Yep. Yeah. And, but, and, yep. <laughs> Can it. you just briefly talk about that? Because I thought it was hysterical, but then also how it got picked up by some yeah. UK BlackBerry user group. Yeah. It, well, so what happened? back gosh, I, how long ago was that? Even it was. It was probably two years ago. At yeah, least. two years, maybe two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. The BlackBerry, BlackBerry struggling as it was, was uh, you know they they were trying to they were trying to jumpstart their their lagging sales by uh, you know they put together a new operating system. Had had as much buzz as BlackBerry could generate over a, a new operating system, and it was kind of. You know, I think everybody sort of looked at that as that was sort of the make it or break it moment for for the BlackBerry, and uh, and I and I had had this idea that I thought would be that I thought would be funny that I did it that I Ron, I do remember talking about it with you and just explaining the idea. And I was like, but it sounds like too much work, and it's probably, it's probably stupid that nobody'd watch. <laughs> it was a lot of work, wasn't and, it? And he, it, it? Well, not actually. I'll tell you, not as much as, as it seemed um, initially. So, uh, so, but the idea was was to go and to to camp outside of the 
of a, uh, a cell phone retail store, uh, as, it, it, a la how Apple fanatics camp out for the new release of the iPhone. And just to, to videotape that and just make fun of the fact that, that regardless of what the BlackBerry 10 operating system ended up doing, there was no way that it was that, that people were going to be lining up for this new phone. And you were and, out there like 31 days in advance, something yeah, doing yeah. a countdown. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was about a month. And so, so the you know to pull back the curtain a little bit, I I basically did I did a setup uh, shot at the local Verizon store here in my hometown. Uh, with my with my tent pitched out in front of it, I could see and, you out there uh, at midnight doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did. I, I was I was waiting for for some police officers to roll up and, <laughs> and question me in terms of what I was what I was doing. Um, but yeah, so I said, and then all the rest of the videos I actually shot inside my tent, inside my garage. So it wasn't it wasn't quite as I wasn't actually camping out for the whole time. But that was the thing. So I I based you know, and, I, and and one of the things that you that that's you know that's a truism about comedy is, or at least about satire is that you're trying to take something and act it as straight as you can, but showing the, the absurdity of, of, of what's, what's going on. So, so by trying to add some earnestness, and I'm, I'm no actor, but it, you know, that's sort of, that, that's one of the, uh, the, the ways that comedy stays grounded is by trying to insert a level of seriousness into something that's absurd and uh, and so I posted the first video where I was just, I was just saying, man, I'm so excited that I'm out here and I can't wait for this new BlackBerry 10. And I posted that video, and that video, I, you know, it, that that's been I think I think that's my second most successful video apart from the Bob's Barbecue video because exactly like you said, there were there there are some very uh, excitable or at least were maybe they don't exist anymore but there there were some very excited and excitable uh, blackberry user groups that found my video on YouTube and thought that I literally was camping out in front of uh, in front of the the store for those for for that period of time <laughs> I remember one guy saying that you know we love blackberry but this guy seems a little bit over the top <laughs> right right well and and somebody Somebody had a BlackBerry podcast, and they wanted me to, to come onto their BlackBerry podcast. And I, I never under I, – I was like, yeah, I'll come onto your Black because I thought for sure anybody watching the video would know that it was just a goof. And, uh, and he sent me a, an email ahead of time with all of these questions for me about, you know, the, clearly, clearly the questions intended for someone who was a, a Black, you know, not just a, like a diehard – uh, lover of blackberries, and, and I just I I couldn't I couldn't go through with it because at some point it just becomes cruel to somebody <laughs> who doesn't get that it's a joke. So I never, but but I, I probably put out a half a dozen of those, and uh, and the last the last the second to last one was probably my favorite one that I did because I actually during the day I set up a little lawn chair outside of the front door of the Verizon store where I was supposedly waiting for blackberry and i and i just sat out there and everybody who went in and out of the store i said i said oh hey the, the, actually the line starts right here and and they, they'd go the line the line for what and i was like oh the new the new blackberry 10 this is, this is where the line this is where the line is this is yeah. awesome uh, hey listen greg we're gonna uh, up against a break here so let's just okay. jump this can you stay on after the break just to finish up with you i can but only if you let me finish telling my blackberry story 
Well, of course, of course, we'll definitely done deal. <laughs> we got we got to pay the bills here. We got to pay the bills here. So um, anyway, thanks, thanks, Greg. We'll talk to you in a in a bit. But now we have this last break with our sponsor, Sage. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're here to finish off today's show with, with Greg Kite. Greg, thanks for staying over. We, we know you do a lot of different things, and one of the things that we'd sure love to have you plug here quickly to our audience that uh, I think would be of interest to them is, is your comedy CPE. So t- tell us a little bit about that. Fantastic. Well, as a, as a CPA, uh, one of the things that I, I am forced to endure every year is 40 hours of continuing education. And uh, and as everyone who is a, a CPA knows, it's it it can just be mind-numbingly horrible. I'm not, obviously not all of it, but but we've all been we've all been there. And uh, so it's, and it's been a long time coming. I've known you know as a CPA, as you know, doing stand-up comedy as well. I've I've always known that that CPE is you know the teaching education component would be a sweet and a former educator that'd be a, a sweet spot for me to hit. Um, and so I, I just over time have been developing some curriculum. Uh, right now I've got two classes, a, uh, an ethics class and a fraud class that I teach. I do, uh, so right now I'm in the process of setting up my 2015 calendar. I've got two dates that are already scheduled for Salt Lake City. I live in Utah, so that's kind of my local, that's home base for me. So those are pretty, pretty easy to set up. But before 2015 is out, I, I plan on setting up some, uh, events in uh, Northern California, in Los Angeles, San Diego, uh, Atlanta, New York City. So I'm going to be going, and, and hopefully a few other locations as well, to take these classes to you. But obviously, also there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of firms that do in-house continuing education, and I, I you know being contracted out to come in and do the the annual uh, ethics presentation in-house that's what i do obviously all that stuff uh is is clean comedy 
but it's also, uh, you know, the, the other thing is I don't skimp on content. It's not just the guy going up and telling jokes. It's there is some some pretty some pretty great content that I think people really tie into. A lot of it uh, with my ethics stuff. A lot of it ties into. Uh, well, you can either say a lot of it ties into uh, Dan Ariely's, uh, uh his research in behavioral economics, or another way to say that is that a lot of it plagiarizes Dan Ariely's, uh research into behavioral economics. <laughs> but uh, we, we we do a lot of you know a lot of that kind of stuff how to how to you know, detect, prevent fraud in the fraud class, and how to get uh, higher levels of professional ethics out of your people and out of yourself. So it's some good stuff. Greg, I love how you're combining ethics with with comedy because uh, a lot of CPAs in, in their states they have to take it, and you know I right. teach it as well. And we always say, look, we know this is traffic school, you know, yeah. and it's traffic school for good drivers. I mean, you don't want to be here. And and you know, Dan Morris and I, who uh, you know, who teach us together, we're not comedians, so the fact that you've got somebody funny up there doing it, but also knows the content as well, because I know when you're avocations is is ethics is is just a it's just a great idea it's kind of like comedy traffic school but yeah with intelligence yeah 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 ho- <laughs> hopefully and i yeah that was that was one of the things that made me realize it was probably a viable a viable other e- e- effort a viable uh venture uh but back to the blackberry so i'm sitting outside the store right and telling them <laughs> going in the store that the line starts right here. Do you remember remember where we yes, stuff? Yes, yes. And, and, so, and, and, and I and I love it because you did a it, shot down the sidewalk and you said, "Wow, I'm glad I beat the rush." And there's like one yeah. merchant shoveling <laughs> snow, and there's like nobody. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that, well, that, was on, that was on another one. That was the day that it came out, but this was a oh, different okay. video. So on this one, so the whole thing, I needed it to be like a secret camera thing. So I set up my video camera inside my car that I had parked and, and I pointed it towards where I was sitting on the sidewalk. So I had probably three or four people come in and come out, and, uh, and, and I had two things that happened that were horrible. First off, somebody in this huge red truck pulled up right next to my tiny Honda Civic. So, uh, so when he went in and out, got no shot. Then, uh, then the other, I think I ran out of tape when the other two people came in and out of the store, so I just totally lost. Uh, lost that because this because I I did not have an iPhone or any so I was I was videotaping on a on a mini DV camera so yes yeah, so I just ran out of tape with the other one but what I did capture it did get the manager of the of the store uh, coming out and going going hey there partner <laughs> what are you doing can here I, can I help you with something you know the kind of the, the passive aggressive can I help you with something question which really means get the hell away from the front door <laughs> you've been store. hanging out here for. <laughs> exactly. It was, more, it was kind of like, shoo, can I help you? Can be interpreted as shoo, weirdo. Uh, so, uh, so, so I, but I just stated, I said, I said, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just waiting for the new BlackBerry 10. He's, he's like, you're doing what? And, uh, and so, anyway, so, so that was the one thing I did caption. It was, it was, uh, it was usable and, and that's online too with my, my awkward conversation with the Verizon manager who didn't want me sitting outside the front door of his store. So, and, and Greg, you do, if folks, if you want to hear Greg, he actually does his own podcast with a guy named Jason Blummer, and it's it's a th- the called the Thrivecast, and that comes out monthly, right, Greg? And yeah, and yeah, it's usually about an hour, and you guys talk about various things relating to the knowledge economy and professional firms, kind of yeah. focused on accounting, but still got yeah. some really good content and some good guests, like you've had yeah. Doctor Jules Goddard and Dan Ariely and a uh-huh. bunch of other folks too, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we 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 steal a lot of your guys' ideas uh, to use on our show. <laughs> Uh, but conversely, you've stolen a lot of our guests after we've interviewed them and had them on your show. But since your show comes out more regularly than ours, I think people hear the guests on your show before they do on our show. So it's a, it's a nice little closed community that we've got here in the, uh, in the, in the professional knowledge worker uh, podcast universe. Well, Greg, where can people find you if they want to contact you or interested in maybe having you come out and, and uh, you know, take a dump on them like you did on us in the forward? Well, that's where, my can, where can people thing find you? Strangers. Uh, yeah, people can find me. You can go to comedycpe.com. Uh, that's that's home-based website uh, for me. That, that gives you information about the Comedy CP. It gives you some samples of what I've, what I've done before. Uh, if you'd like to email me, it's greg at gregkite.com, but kite is spelled with a Y because my ancestors were either they, they liked the extremeness of the spelling like that or they were just bad spellers like I am. Uh, also, Twitter at gregkite, uh, pretty active on Twitter. Tweet, I, I, uh, my, my personal goal is to tweet three accounting-related jokes every day, so follow me on Twitter and you can, uh, can read some, some jokes about stuff that you didn't think you'd be reading jokes about. <laughs> all great stuff Greg thank you so much and again thank you for writing the forward to the book it is folks an absolute masterpiece it's very funny and uh, we really appreciate you coming on that's great thank you Greg well, it was it was an honor for you guys to have me on your show so uh, we uh, so it's <laughs> so take, take care guys I love the show I'm, I'm, I'm a fervent listener so thanks a million thank we'll you, talk Greg. to you soon okay bye bye Oh, Ed, that was too fun. Wow. You could that just was talk great. To forever. Um, so, Ed, what's what's what do we have online for next week? Quickly, Ron, we've got Joe Pine coming on for sure next week. We uh, did book him a couple, about a month ago, but he is on, and we're going to talk experience economy and some of his new books about leadership and uh, really going to be, a, I think, a, a fun, fast-moving, interactive show. I'm so looking forward to that. I'll see you in 167 hours, Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at www.verisage.com slash T-S-O-E.